travel with me anywhere I go. That'd be awesome. Well, good morning. Uh, my name is Adam Neal, and like Ricky said earlier, I have quite the history here at Garden City Chapel, which is a super special place to me and my family. Um, just a little bit of a backstory so that you get to know me before I start talking to you. Uh, but I'm from South Mississippi, which is a Mississippi group here this morning. So what's that one on us? Um, so I'm from South Mississippi, grew up there, uh, went to college, University of Mobile in Alabama. Anytime I tell someone I went to school in Alabama, they're like, roll tide. And I'm like, oh, enough of that. Stop. Change the slogan. I'm just kidding. They're probably some Alabama fans here. So uh, not roll tide, but University of Mobile, uh, which I loved it there. And I uh, started dating this girl long distance, but I met her here. I was a staffer and she was a camper. I know what you're already thinking is like, wow, this guy, I can't believe he's, ex- he's admitting that. I followed the rules. I didn't pursue her here. I waited till after the summer and stalked her on what was then the only thing available, Facebook or MySpace. Um, anybody still have a MySpace? Anybody still rocking that? You got your friends? You, no, no, we won't get into that. You could put your top ten friends like on the side. If you liked a girl, you would like slide her up to like three. And if she was three, it'd be like, oh, there's like two bros and a girl. You must like that girl. Anyway. Uh, that was MySpace. You could put music on it, and then it died. Well, uh, I found her on Facebook, and we talked long distance and ended up dating long distance for four or five years. Uh, ended up getting engaged here uh, down the beach a little bit, the special spot, the secret spot a staffer's had. I can't tell you what it is. Um, but it was a secret place down there. It doesn't exist anymore because there's con- condos in front of it. But uh, got engaged here, and uh, didn't get married here, but this is a really special place. We bring groups back here a lot. We now lead a ministry called the Refuge Retreat, which is a retreat ministry for college students uh, where we bring them in, teach, encourage, train them to go back to their college campuses to go make disciples. Uh, and so that's what Refuge Retreat is all about. And we do a spring retreat here, and we've done one for the last three years. So we'll do our next spring one next April. So uh, so I love this place. I love Garden City Chapel. I love uh, the stories. Uh, I have three daughters as well. Two of them, I think, are in here. Uh, Maylee is our oldest, and then Emery, and then Hadley, seven, five, three. And so, and then we have one on the way, another girl. So go ahead and write my name down on your prayer request list, and don't take it off. Um, so we have have four girls. I'm going to go ahead and just accept the fact that I'm going to get a tattoo that says "Girl Dad" because um, it's just that's just who I am. So, uh, but we have the, the girls, and um, at bedtime, you know, we like to to pray and we read some Bi- the Bible stories. But for now, they're chapel stories. And every night when I lay my girls down to go to sleep, they beg for chapel stories. And uh, it's kind of dangerous because a lot of chapel stories that I can remember are from me living with twelve other guys, and they're just not. <laughs> she's not ready for those stories yet, and so uh, so I have to kind of like you know alter them a little bit to make them child friendly. Uh, but I have some amazing memories here. Um, this has nothing to do with my sermon, but I'll tell you one story from my time here at, at Garden City Chapel. A lot of it had to do with Casey back there. He's standing there. Yeah, you. Uh, I got a lot of funny stories with Casey. My, I had a work interview. Ricky, do I still hold the record for the longest work interview here? It was two and a half weeks. It was supposed to be like a weekend or like a day or two, and I just stuck it out for two and a half weeks. Um, but I got to work with Casey. I remember we installed a door one time, and you – we're not happy with the door, um, but that's all I'm going to say about that. So I worked with Casey a good bit, um, some other guys. But one of the things that was really fun was the Tuesday night. Then we called it the Tuesday night social, um, and we would put it together. The staff would come together, and we would come up with all these silly games and fun things to do. There's always a skit involved that was really odd, but some 
but all these random games for the children's homes that would come, and we would put on, or, or any group, and we would put on this thing called the Tuesday Night Social and the youth building over here on Tuesday nights. And uh, at first it was like, uh, we don't want to do that. You know, as staffers, we were like, it's been a long day. We don't want to do this. But it turned into where we would make it fun, and we had a lot of fun doing it. But there was one specific game that uh, we ended up axing after this one event. But uh, it was a game where we would get all the students around. So basically the floor is open in the middle, and all the kids are around the edge of the room. And we had this bucket that appeared to be full, but it had two hermit crabs in it. We would go to the store and get two hermit crabs and put it on top of the bucket. And so what we would say is, hey, we need two volunteers to like, I don't know what we called it. It wasn't walk the plank, but it was something. Don't crush the crab. Or so, I can't remember what it was called. Anyways, we were like, we need two volunteers. We got a bucket full of hermit crabs. And so we would go around the room and we would show the bucket real quick. You know, we can't let it stay too long, but we would go real quick and the kids would look in there. They'd see one hermit crab and they would think that bucket is full of hermit crabs. That's what we told them. See, it's, it's like a it's like a spiritual lie. And so we were like, look, there's hermit crabs in here. And so they would look at it and they would go, oh, no. And so we're like, oh, we need two volunteers to play this game. And some would be like, nope, I'm out. I saw a hermit crab. I'm not touching that thing. But a lot of the guys and a few of the girls would be like, I'm in. I don't know what this game is, about to eat it or whatever, but I'm in. And so we'd go, all right, we got our volunteers. Let's send them out. And so we would send them out to the youth building. And uh, we're all getting excited. So what we would end up doing is we'd tell everybody, hey, look, pranks on them. Like, we only got two hermit crabs. But what we're going to do is we're going to make them, we're going to blindfold them. <laughs> now that I explained it, this is a fun little game. We're going to blindfold them, and we're going to walk them. They have to get from point A to point B without stepping on a hermit crab. Now, we're not going to harm this poor little creature. So instead, we're going to throw a bag of Fritos out there on the ground. And they're going to walk across it. See, there's judgment happening. I know, I know. As I've, I've been telling the story before, and I'm like, I can't believe we did this. So what we would normally do, okay, and it's the big Fritos, all right? We're not cheaping out on this. We're getting the big ones. So we would get the, the scoops. <laughs> so we would get the big ones, and we would normally put, like, 10, 12. So, like, they would, you know, they'd get in there blindfolded. Everyone's, like, you know, pins and needles, and they would just start walking slowly, and they're not really close to one, but every now and then they would, you know, crunch one, and they'd be like, ah, and they're freaking out, and we're all laughing, and it'd be fun. This one specific time, I don't know, Ricky, if you remember this, this one specific time, this is how I remember it, so this could be totally not true, but just go with me. Uh, but I remember Daniel, who my girls know is was the biggest rascal on staff. If, if anybody was going to get in trouble or get someone else in trouble, it was Daniel's fault. Um, and so Daniel was in charge of putting the chips out on the thing. Well, he just, he didn't know. He opens the whole bag and just dumps it all out. Well, there's hundreds of, of, of Fritos on the, on the floor. So anyway, so we're like, oh, man, what are you doing? This is, you know, this, that's stupid. You know, I can't believe you did that. And he's like, whatever, they'll think it's funny. So we go bring it, this poor girl. It was just destined for her to get her life ruined on this day. So she walks up to the thing. She's blindfolded. She has no clue. We're explaining the game. And as we're explaining it, she's just, you could see the, like, the care for animals, you know, in her face. And she was just like, oh, no. Well, there, there's zero chance that she's going to make it across. So instead of, like, tiptoeing and barely crunching one and giving in, she goes forward, tiptoes, starts crushing it, and then just runs. And she's just like, <laughs> all the way through. And we're just like, oh, no. She's crying. I mean, she's literally in tears. She just killed, like, 50 hermit crabs. She's so upset. And she's just, she gets to the end, and we're like, it's okay. Take your blindfold off. She takes it off. And what you were hoping for was, like, a crying, oh, y'all got me. Instead, it was like a... <laughs> you know, we were we were the bad guys. Um, anyway, like I said, that has nothing to do with anything I'm talking about today. Uh, but fun story, 
stories here at the chapel, and honestly, I could probably write a book uh, with all the stories I'm telling my girls, and just the special memories here. And so I love, uh, I love this place. I love to get an opportunity to be here and to speak, um, and I think it's really, uh, it's really a, an awesome opportunity. Um, one thing when I was thinking about what is something that I would love to present to people here uh, was a, a topic and a, a, a sermon that I have given before, but it was this idea on unity. And uh, if you're looking at the screens and you see the, the image here, uh, unity is a huge topic and a big topic, and I think it's a topic in our world today that we are absolutely just devastated by. Um, it's something that this word almost doesn't exist, and if it does exist, it exists on a very minute scale. Uh, and so I'd love to, to go through this. There are a lot of things that unity is not, and we'll get to that. Um, so I want to be really clear of what it is exactly that I'm talking about. But um, if you think about, you know, look over the last year, uh, the, the Jesus Movement movie just came out recently, the Jesus Revolution. Um, you had the, the revival in Asbury College, and then other colleges kind of sparked from that. Um, when you look at movements, uh, I remember when the Passion Movement first started. Anybody in here ever been to Passion? Raise your hand. Anybody ever been? Uh, so, uh, if you're 18, you're seniors, you can do it now, so get, get after it. Um, so, when the Passion Movement started, it started as this big, like, event and big conference out in the middle of this field in Tennessee, and then they go from that, and that sparked an entire movement that's been going for over 20 years now through these college students. So, when you look at any kind of movement, not just a spiritual movement, but any mo- movement just in general, look at, like, clothing and fashion uh, people will wear something that looks silly, and the next thing you know, they're on the shelves everywhere, and people are wearing them all over the place. Bell bottoms are back. Anybody know that? People are wearing bell bottoms now and again. Uh, I say fashion things, and I look at my wife to make sure I'm not saying anything really silly. But uh, So things happen throughout our culture where there are shifts, that there are movements that happen. Nothing derails a movement like disunity. Um, take any kind of movement there is out there, look at when it died, and it died because there was some kind of disunity. Look at a, a very successful company that goes and makes millions, maybe billions, and then all of a sudden it becomes a different company or it buys another company or the CEO steps away or whatever. Something happened internally that where there was a sense of disunity and it derailed the movement of whatever that organization was. And so fighting for and working towards and understanding what unity is is super helpful, not only in our businesses and our families, um, but way more importantly in our walk with Jesus. Um, when we allow division to infiltrate our communities of faith, that's when we distort the message of what the world needs most. Um, I just recently came across this video on social media. I don't know if some of you saw it, but it was a, um, a, a church way up in, I think, Michigan or Minnesota, somewhere up there where I've never been. Uh, but it was a, a church that was reading the Sparkle Creed. I don't know if anybody's ever heard of that or saw that, but it was a legit put-together creed, you can Google it later, the Sparkle Creed, and it was one of the most blasphemous things you'll ever hear where they're praying to a, an all-inclusive God or whatever it may be. And we're not going to get into any politics, we're not going to get into that kind of stuff, but what I'm saying is unity is not fighting for um, whatever you strongly believe in or what you're passionate about, and unity is you going out fighting for that to get everyone else to believe what you're, you're believing. That's not unity. Um, but what happens is when we, in our attempt to fight for it, we start to actually divide more, right? Nothing divided our country more than the most recent uh, before Biden, but the political stuff that happened. That's really dividing our country, right? You have people that believe this, people that believe this, people that wave this flag or that wave this flag, and it's really dividing our country. And I think as followers of Jesus, if you sit here today, 
and you follow him and you have a relationship with Jesus, or maybe you're here and you're just wondering, or maybe you got told to put those clothes on because you just had to go and you just hate that you're here. Whatever it may be, Jesus followers have a responsibility, and it is to fight for biblical godly unity in our culture. And we're going to talk about what that looks like. So there's no unity without community. It's actually in the word. Don't you just love wordplay? Uh, there's no unity without community. Uh, you have to have, we've been talking a lot with a group that I'm with this week. We've been talking about community and uh, why that is so important. And so I think a lot of you know this. We're not going to dig into this, but I'll just make this blanket statement that you were created to live within community. Some of you, you know, we could all raise our hands, introverts. Well, we can because we're the only ones that see it, right? So introverts, just nod your head. We know who you are. Uh, but you can't, you can be an introvert, but you still need community. Like you could not want to go hang out with people. You want to be a homebody and just stay at home. But you were designed by God to be in communion with other people. People need people, right? We need someone to help and come alongside of us and pray with us through a difficult time. We need someone to come and hold our hand or like let it be a, a shoulder to cry on when we were really hurting. We need people. And so you were not created to live life alone. You were lived to live in community. And you can't have unity without community. Um, the great thing with this, when you look at the church, the capital C church, is that um, it's actually not impossible for the unified church to be diverse or to have diversity in it. That's actually what makes the church beautiful, right, is the fact that people are coming together and being unified under one common denominator, Jesus. Uh, I remember when I was in high school, I went to this camp called Super Summer, and it was uh, in the summer, you guessed it. And uh, it was in Mississippi College in Clinton, Mississippi, and uh, I remember going to that camp, and it was one of the first experiences that I had felt where there was like 700, 800 students in a room, and one of the first moments I really experienced worship at that, at that level with that many people. Uh, and so I was just, I remember sitting in the service, we actually met one night, instead of in the auditorium at Mississippi College, we met in the sanctuary at First Baptist Church Clinton, I guess is the church right there. Huge, huge church, big sanctuary. Jake Gulledge was the worship guy, if anybody remembers Jake. Uh, I think he's been around the chapel before, but, um, but Jake Gulledge was the worship pastor. And I remember sitting kind of in the middle row and right on the edge, uh, prime seat, you know, right there on the edge. We have plenty of leg room, we can skate if we need to. Uh, but I was right there on the end, and I remember we're standing or worshiping, and I remember just kind of looking around the sanctuary, just feeling like, wow, this is, I was just kind of overwhelmed by God and by the worship and by what was happening. And I remember seeing just this huge, diverse group of people. And me growing up in South Mississippi, I'd never really experienced that in a church setting. And I just remember this feeling of like, this is probably just a tiny, tiny glimpse of what it looks like for the church to be unified, where no one in here cares what color you are, who believes what, who voted for who. No one, no one cares about any of that. The only thing that we all care about is that we're chasing after Jesus. That, that is a tiny glimpse of what it looks like for us as a body of believers to be unified as a church and unified in the spirit, which, again, we're going to talk about. So here's what unity is not. Uh, unity is not, and there will be a slide here, it's not abandoning your views. So remember, it's not taking what you believe, what you think, or what you're passionate about and saying, well, for the sake of being unified, I guess I have to just ditch those things and, and put them aside. No, it's okay. It's okay to have your own thoughts and your own opinions and your own beliefs. Um, being unified with other people is, is actually a coming together of views and beliefs and understanding that each other has a belief and a view that may be not the same as yours, and you still learn to love them anyway. Uh, how many people have a neighbor, and your neighbor, you know, you like Alabama Crimson Tide, and they like Georgia Bulldogs. So, like, you have this thing where, like, both of you are flying different flags, and, like, you don't believe, you know, what other people believe, but you can still be friends, you can grill out, you can cook with each other, you know, you do that. Ole Miss Mississippi State, you 
probably shouldn't be with each other. You just shouldn't be around each other. You should just choose to peacefully part ways and uh, not talk. Uh, but no, unity, uh, unity is not just abandoning your views. Have your views. Have your passions. Have the things you fight for. And fight for social justice. The, the Gen Z generation and even the, the tailwind of some of the millennials are said to be the generation that uses their voice the most. Um, that are really speaking out against against certain things. Now, some of it, uh, if you're not educated on what you're talking about, can come across as ignorance. So just be careful that when you use your voice, you know what you're talking about and know what you're saying. Uh, but the generations coming up, they want to use their voice to fight for things. And if we can instill a foundation of the gospel in children and in young youth and in college students, then the voice they're using is going to be for the gospel, not for fighting for things that don't matter. Uh, which, again, you can kind of fill those blanks. Unity is not uniformity. It's not just all looking the same. It's not just all acting the same. You know, you just forming to what is happening around you. This is, the, this is actually, we'll talk about it in a second, but this is one of the attempts of culture and the enemy to come in and say, in order for us to all be unified together, we have to at least look and sound somewhat the same, or we have to all like really fall in line and, and be kind of this like almost robots culture will tell you look like this act like this let your social media look like this you got to have a filter that makes all of your pictures look exactly the same color green so that when someone looks at your profile it'll all look pretty like culture just tells us those things buy this product like use this if you're not using a, if you don't have a stanley cup water in it you're not cool okay so like that's what culture hold it up caitlin i don't like that one so that's what culture tells us is to look exactly the same and look like this and if you do then we can all be cool and be the same and that's unification and it's not that's not what it is unity is not just forming conforming to what everyone else looks like uh, and it's not unanimity it's not thinking the same it's not this ha this idea of the way that we not only think and act and look and sound but it's also this sense of like the direction that we're heading in life we all have to be chasing the exact same thing that's also not not unity. Um, we can't be afraid of unity, but instead find comfort in embracing a dying world. And I think that's the shift. So when you think of this idea of unity, and we're going to break it down in Scripture here in a second, but when you think of the idea of unity, I think a lot of times we as followers of Jesus, and I'm putting myself into this saying that I've been guilty of this, we look at a group of people, maybe just a person, that we know we don't get along with, we know that we would struggle, our personalities clash, and so what we tend to do, and we're seeing this a lot in younger generations as well, is what we tend to do is we go, okay, that person doesn't match, you know, our Enneagram says we can't be friends, or what, you know, any, our, we just cannot get along, they like the things that I hate, I hate the things that they like, and so what I'm going to do is I'm just going to like draw a harsh line and not associate with that person at all, because I know that's not going to work out. That's what culture would say, cut it, forget it, move on, go past Find a place in Scripture where Jesus ever did that, like where he ever came across somebody. And there are plenty of times where Jesus came up to people or approached people, and they were not agreeing with him. I mean, how many times did the Pharisees come against him and try to argue about stuff? We see the conversation in Nicodemus, right, where Nicodemus is like, explain the whole born-again thing. And Jesus is like, you're not getting it. Uh, Jesus probably didn't say that, but I just imagine he did. So there's plenty of times where Jesus comes up to people that are not exactly his people. But there was never a moment, think of Zacchaeus, there was never a moment where he just like cut him off and was like, away, I can't talk to you. He constantly embraced people that were going up against him, that were resisting him. And unity is going to take that. So we as the church, as the body, we cannot be afraid to approach people like that for the sake of being unified. 
um, remember this is just something that always blows my mind. It should always blow your mind. But the same spirit that, that raised Jesus from the dead can live inside of you. And so when you say yes to following him, surrendering your life to him, you have that spirit. It's a stronger spirit than anything else. When Jesus left the earth, they were, all the guys were sad he was leaving. And he was like, hey, I'm giving you something even better than me. And it's the Holy Spirit, which is pretty amazing, right? So we can have that. So don't go into unity with, with fear. Go into it with confidence and peace, knowing that it's coming from him. Uh, culture is a barrier. For, I mean, there's no doubt that culture is a big-time barrier between us and fighting for this unity. Um, but what we need to see is the cues that, that culture offers and then the cues that Jesus offers. And a lot of times what's crazy is they go they go hand-in-hand hand and they're opposites of each other. So, for example, culture will offer division and it will offer it in a sense of deception well when deception comes in that's usually where jesus comes in and offers love now i don't have this in my notes but love is a word that we are just abusing the mess out of right we have like all these different variations of what love looks like and what it is and we you know we love an ice cream cone and we turn around and we love someone and then we're like oh and i love this idea and this thought and then like two weeks later you read a podcast uh, or you listen to a podcast, read a blog, and it like totally changes your mind. And you're like, I no longer love that. Well, two weeks ago you loved it. So, so we this word love is just totally out of balance, and we don't really even know how to use it. So let me just tell you that when you want to know what love is, who love is, what it looks like, what it's supposed to look like, the scripture is your place to go. Like this is where you go. You go right to the word, and you learn that God is love, and so you start to learn the characteristics of God, and that's how you're going to know what love is. Uh, and so. A lot of times we get love and we mix it up with other words like acceptance or just going along with it, even though you don't agree with it, which I guess is acceptance. Um, we just get confused. And so just understand that love is God. God is love. If you want to know what it is, seek the characteristics of who he is and you'll learn what love is. So culture gives deception. Jesus gives love. Culture offers selfishness. Uh, make yourself look one way and care more about yourself. Uh, mental health. Issues have turned totally into just self-care, where it's like, um, I'm not downplaying mental illness. I'm just saying that what tends to happen is that the enemy comes in or culture comes in and says the only way to heal your mental illness is to care only about yourself. And that it's a danger, and it's something that I think the enemy is using to twist. And I'm just telling you that any illness you have, whether it be mental illness or not, the one number one healer is Jesus. And so let that be the first thing you go to is more of him uh, for your healing. And yes help outside of that counselors therapists all, all of that is great but first go to him uh culture offers bitterness and jesus comes in and offers peace uh some of you hold too much bitterness towards people that hurt you uh there's just too much um and that's where bitterness again turns it on you and goes i deserve better i deserve this i deserve for them to apologize how many times have you said that you've been mad at somebody else something they did wrong to you maybe they did do something wrong to you and in your mind you're like i know i need to forgive them but if i do they're not going to apologize back and so th then you just know that like you're throwing it on them and you're going yeah i deserve for them to apologize to me and so then you just hold your forgiveness because you know you're playing this thing out maybe i'm just describing something that i've done personally but anyway you, you just you have this idea in your mind that you're going to work it up you're going to finally get to a place of forgiveness say you forgive them and they're going to look at you and go great thank you and you're going to be like oh now i don't so that, all of that is bitterness in your heart towards someone. The bitterness that you have, someone may have really hurt you. Someone may have really come against you and done something. But holding on to that bitterness is what culture tells you because it's a selfishness thing. It's like, yes, you deserve to, to be treated better. But that's where Jesus comes in and says, man, forgive as I have forgiven you. 
and be at peace with that. Like, be okay with that. What If someone hurts you and you forgive them, don't worry anything about what they say to you after that. You just work through a place of forgiveness in your heart. Uh, culture offers anger and opinions, and Jesus comes in and says, be patient, and he offers redemption. And so if you look at your cues of unity from culture, you're going to get division just down the road. You're just going to get division all the way. Uh, and if you look at the cues from Jesus when it comes to unity, you're going to get love. You're going to get this unified body of people. Um, so we have to ask the question then, how do we unify ourselves with people that we don't agree with? That's the big one, right? How do we unify ourselves with people we don't agree with? So let's look at Scripture. Ephesians 4, this will be on the screen, 1 through 7. This is Paul speaking. No one fought for unity more, I think, in Scripture than Paul. He's in a moment where you got Jews and Gentiles. They're very different from each other, hostile, don't hang with each other. They don't even, like, get water from the same well at the same time. Like, it's bad, okay? But Paul's coming in, and he's saying, no, 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 no. Because of the blood of Jesus, all of that's done. Like, y'all, we can all be friends now. And they're like, huh? And so that's what Paul is kind of working towards uh, in a lot of his books. So he says, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. And this is the important part. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. I know it's a long sentence, or it looks, we can go back. We're going to go back and read it again. Uh, so let's keep going. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. So we, we get the point, Paul, right? He says all like five times there. Uh, so understand what he's saying. There's, there's, one, there's actually only one idea of unification, and it's all under God. Anything other than that that's unified under any other power is not unification. Unity, true unity, can only be found underneath the lordship of our Savior. Okay, so that's that's one thing to understand. Is it's really simple. It's unity under him. Anything else is not really unity. Uh, so he's uh, God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Um, so when you look at that, you can go to the next slides. When you look at that, you see Ephesians 4 telling you a few things. One, you've received a calling. If you think you're in here and you're like, I don't know what I'm going to do for my life, uh, I can go ahead and tell you, you do know, and we've been talking about this, it's to give God glory. Whatever you do, it's not, there's not a tightrope for you that God has, and you're like, once you find that tightrope and learn how to walk on it, now you know God's will for your life. I look at it more as a freeway, okay, where it's like you have all these lanes, and all of them are pointing to God's glory. You pick the lane you want to be in, you feel most successful in, you feel most passionate about getting that lane. As long as all of it points to God's glory, then like that's what you've been called to do. That's what you've been purposed to do in your life is to give him the glory. So you've received a calling, so live a life worthy of that calling. Pretty simple, right? Like when you hear it that way, pretty simple. you got a calling, live your life that way. Now we know it's not that easy, right? There's a lot of distractions that come in, there's difficulties, there's all kinds of stuff. But fight for living uh, out that calling. We also see in Ephesians 4, he kind of drops out some uh, fruits of the Spirit. Your fruits of the Spirit are not meant only for you. That's one thing. When I heard this and I was kind of studying this, I was like, huh, that's interesting. I think we want to know, like, fruits of the Spirit, and then we hear them. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Hey, any fruits of the love, joy, peace? Y'all sing it? No? Okay, just making sure. Let's stand up and sing it. No, I'm just kidding. Don't. Uh, so the fruits of the Spirit, when you look at those things, hear those words, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and 
about control. Those are the things that we are to be acting upon to other people. They're not things that we're going, yeah, everyone show me some gentleness and love and self-control. Like everyone, like that's for me. Like y'all do that because I want that. Like that'd be nice, but it's for us to go, yeah, I need to be more loving. I need to be more gentle to people. I need to have more self-control of what I say around other people. It's these things that we're supposed to not just hold and learn and memorize, but to use out in our communities. And that's going to help us in our fight for unity. Um, So they're intended for others. You don't stumble upon unity. This was the part that I said was important. Uh, It's work, but it brings peace. When it says in Ephesians 4, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. So peace comes in and helps us work for unity. We have to work for it. It's not just going to happen. It's not just going to fall upon you. It's not just going to like, hey, I want a good group of friends. I want for all of them to believe what I believe. That's easier in middle school, high school, but when you get out, in college and in your workplace, it's going to be much more difficult for you to find friends that you agree with and that are helping you towards Jesus. And so super important. It's work, but it's worth it. Uh, and then in all and through all, grace is the common denominator here. Um, so so use that. Understand that it's a free gift that he's giving. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 14, this is Paul again. He says, just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. So it's God's design. It's God's design to bring a grouping of people together to be unified. I always like, you know, I'm not one for like motivational phrases or there's not any one-liners here in my message where like I start talking louder and higher and all of a sudden I want you to remember that one part. A lot of it's just like me giving you stuff that I feel like is useful and helpful for all of us. But I love to dream. I love movements. I love, you can ask anybody that knows me, I love to just sit and dream about stuff and like what God could do and things. And I can get too far and start to like start designing cabins or something and I just shouldn't do that. But uh, So I love to dream. But what I, I love to think is like just take the people in this room if we were all 100% unified under the gospel and who Jesus is, but we all understood our part and that we all have different passions and different abilities and God's gifted us in different ways, but we're going to use all of that to leave this building and to go out and to make disciples in Jesus' name. So what if we all, you don't have to sign anything, you don't have to drink any kind of juice, you don't do any of that. All we have to do is agree today we're going to be unified under the blood of Jesus and we're going to leave out of here and every conversation we have, every person we come in contact with, every family member that we know of, every person that God puts on our heart, everybody that we come in contact with, we're going to do our best to point them to the gospel of Jesus. What if everybody in this room went out and did that? Think of the impact. Think of the maybe the movement that could start from something like that. All these revivals that started out of these college ministries, it really started with like five or six students where they sat down and they were like, we just want to pray and like seek the face of God that he would do something. They got together, prayed, and then God started this movement. So imagine the amount of people in this room do something like that. Uh, I just feel like it's really pointing to what Scripture is saying, which is we all are many, but He has designed for us to come together and to be unified. And I think we have to fight for that and work for that. And it's one of those things that we're like, yes, Adam, I get what you're saying, but like, what does that actually look like? You know, what does that mean? Where we will all walk out of here like soldiers, or you know, what does what does it actually look like? And I think we have to just work for it and fight for it, and we'll see it. God will reveal it. Um, so just practical steps as we finish up. I always like to finish some things, practical things we can do. Um, what can be done, you know, we talked about how do we unify, unify ourselves with people that we uh, don't agree with. Uh, there are a couple of passages. They're not on the screen, but I'll just read them. 
quickly here. Well, I just read Ephesians 4, but this is um, this is John 17, and it says uh, this is Jesus praying to God. He's going to the Father. He's praying, and he's praying right before he's about to get arrested. So this is like his last final prayer to his Father before he's about to get arrested. And he's praying. He's praying for us. So if you want to know how Jesus prays for you, it's in John 17. It starts in verse 6. Uh, but I'm going to start down in 11. It says, I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world. They meaning his people, his disciples and his people. Uh, they are still in the world, and I'm coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. Interesting he said that, so that they may be one as we are one, meaning him and the Father. He's praying for all of us to be one as he and the Father are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that scripture would be fulfilled. I like how they added that in there. It's like he didn't need to, but it was like a jab to Satan. It's like, God, protect them you know, from the evil one that's going to be doomed forever. So it's kind of like Jesus was just like a stab wound to somebody. Uh, I'm coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy with them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. So, Jesus prays for us. He, he said a prayer for us, and it was to protect us. But, overall, his prayer was that we would be unified. His prayer is that we would be unified. So, practical steps. When you're approaching with people that you disagree with, but we're fighting towards unity, here's some things. One, person over position. Person, look at the people, don't look at their opinions. We are obsessed in this culture about voicing our opinions. Um, and I'll probably say half of us really don't want to hear it. So we're, but we're obsessed thinking that we have the right to just voice our opinions on in anything we want. If you're a follower of Jesus and you spend the majority of your time in public or in small groups, just voicing your opinions about political views or about hot topics or about whatever, if you spend a lot of your time voicing that in that group, then when it comes time for you to talk about Jesus, you may have already lost the respect of half the people in the room. Speak Jesus first, right? Speak Jesus' name first before anything. I'm not saying walk into a crowd and just be like, Jesus, hello, my name is Adam, good to meet you. I'm not, realistically, I'm saying that the words that come out of your mouth and who you represent anywhere you go, let it first be Jesus. Uh, and when you do that, when you look at someone who comes up against you and resists something you're saying or disagrees with you, you're looking at them through the lens of the fact that you love Jesus, and now you're seeing the person and not the position that they're taking that day. So, person over position. Pray for a unified church. We neglect the power of prayer, I think, all the time. I'm guilty of that. Um, but, man, let's be praying together for, for God to unify his church. The church is definitely not unified right now. Uh, and if anything, probably getting worse and worse as time goes on. So let's be praying as a body of believers for a unified church. Uh, practice loving your difficult person. When we were talking about a difficult person that you disagree with or that always disagrees with you, some of you have a name in your head, a face. Maybe you've done the thing where you see them from afar away and you can like squish their head. Maybe you've done that. That's a good practice to not be angry with somebody. You just look at them, take their head, and just squish it. Um, someone taught me that. I don't know. But it doesn't work. But uh, you have someone. You know someone in your life that you're just like that one person. Uh, so... One, spend time praying for them. Two, like practice loving them in different ways. Practice showing them what it looks like to, to do something, caring for them, even if you don't think they deserve it. It's not up to you to decide what they deserve, but you can control the fact that you love other people. So practice loving your difficult person. Be a bridge builder. Uh, help 
and be peaceful in other situations, your friend groups. You've got four or five of you, and one, you know, there's two people that are fighting. Help be that person that goes in and mediates and helps get that thing resolved. Uh, be the a lot of it's for our families. Um, and it's very difficult. Some of you have broken families, or you have families that some are following Jesus, some are not, and it's, it's just kind of awkward. Um, so be praying that situation of how you can be the bridge builder in that situation to help bring unity to your family. Uh, and then just lastly, just this phrase, a community of people on mission to make disciples in Jesus' name is the most crucial movement of all time. I'll say that part again. A community of people on mission to make disciples in Jesus' name is the most crucial movement of all time. And there's no community without unity. So if this alone was just the community that went out and said, yes, in Jesus' name, we're going to fight for unity from here on out, then believe in, uh, I'm not this is not motivational. This is me saying, like, have enough faith that God can take this group of people and he can use us to go start a movement of unification in our church, in our families, in our schools, uh, in our friend groups, in marriages, all across this town, all across your town. You're all going to leave from here and go other places. So be a community of people that are fighting for unity. And I think when we do that and when we work towards that, we will see God start showing you what that actually looks like, and we're only going to want more of it. Um, let me pray for us, and uh, then we'll get out of here. God, we love you.